We'll turn with me in your Bibles this evening as we come to the Gospel, returning to the Gospel of John, please. The Gospel of John in the chapter 19. We'll read the Gospel of John in the chapter 19. And we're going to read from the verse 14. John in the chapter 19 and the verse 14. We're continuing our series, which we're calling Crosswords. And we're coming to the third craft this evening from the cross of Calvary. And we're going to read these words here in the Gospel of John. Gospel of John, chapter 19, in the verse 14. And this is the word of the Lord. And it reads, And it was the preparation of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, and he said unto the Jews, Behold your king. And that's Pilate speaking. But they cried out, that's the Jews, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said unto them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. <clears throat> then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him, and two other with him on either side one, and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said therefore among themselves, Let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things therefore the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then said he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. We trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts this evening. Look again there at verse 26. The Lord says to his earthly mother, Woman, Behold thy son. And then he turns to the disciple and he says, Behold thy mother. 
This is the third cry from the cross. As we continue our little series, Crosswords, the Lord Jesus, he cried seven sayings at the cross of Calvary, and he gave three of those sayings between 9 a.m. and noon, and he gave four between noon and three in the afternoon. And of the seven sayings that he cried from the cross, the first three that he cried before noon had nothing to do with his own suffering. Nothing at all. No one ever suffered like the Lord Jesus suffered that day. The physical suffering would have been maybe similar to other criminals that had suffered when dying in crucifixion. But the spiritual suffering, as the wrath of God was poured upon the Saviour, as my sin was poured upon him, as your sin was poured upon him, the suffering of his spiritual, his spiritual suffering was immeasurable. No one, no one has ever suffered like the Lord Jesus that day. And yet for three hours, he didn't say a word about his own suffering. Not a word uttered about his pain. He cared for others around him in those first few hours on the cross at Calvary. And on Sunday evenings we considered two cries already. Of course the first cry from the cross was, Father forgive them, for they know not what they do. This was the King of glory. And yet the world gave him no throne. Instead they gave him a cross. That the world gave him no golden crown, instead they gave him a crown of thorns. The world gave the Saviour no cheering cry at his coronation. Instead there was a jeering mob on this day. And spitting, and swearing soldiers, and deceitful leaders. <coughs> and yet the Saviour says, as he looks upon that scene, he says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And then of course last Sunday evening we considered the second cry from the cross. The Saviour spoke to the repentant dying thief beside him there. And he said to that thief, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. This is Calvary that we visit tonight. The Old Testament pointed to Calvary. The Gospels take us to Calvary. The Epistles look back to Calvary. And to be saved today, you must look to Calvary. And that is why we spend time every Lord's Day evening focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ, hanging there on the center cross, that you might look to him for salvation. This is the pinnacle of human history. There that day, we saw Calvary's first convert last week. And here this evening, as we come to the third cry from the cross, this time the Lord speaks with his mother, who is there at the foot of the cross, and this is his disciple John is there too with her. And this cry, it comes in two parts. He first turns to his mother, and he says, Woman, behold thy son. Then he turns to his disciple John, and he says, Behold thy mother. You know, I want to know three things from me, this little phrase tonight. There are three important things, and I want you to think very carefully about them. The first thing I want you to notice is this. 
The Saviour assured Mary, his mother, where he was going. He was going to heaven. There was no doubt about that. He had just said to the repentant thief, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Today you'll be with me in heaven. The Lord Jesus was going to be with his Father. He was going to heaven. And later on that day, he would cry these words, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He was saying to God the Father, I'm coming now to be with you. Fanny Crosby was a prolific hymn writer. Many of her songs focused on the theme of the cross. And the one that we have just sang this evening is Jesus, Keep Me Near the Cross. It was composed when a businessman called William Duane gave her a melody that he had written. And Fanny Crosby, listening to it, felt that it said, Jesus, keep me near the cross. And she promptly wrote the words that we have sang together this evening. But I wonder if we had lived in the day of Christ's crucifixion. I wonder how near the cross we would have been. I wonder would we have gotten close enough to see his agony, the agony on his face, to hear the final words that he spoke, to witness the blood that poured out from his wounds. I wonder how near the cross we would have been. You see, it's one thing to sing, Jesus, keep me near the cross, but it's quite another thing to actually live near the cross. You know, there were Roman soldiers there that day. And the Roman soldiers, they were there out of duty. And there were taunting voices of the chief priests in the crowd there that day at Calvary. And they were there out of derision. Roman soldiers there for duty, chief priests there to deride him, to mock him, derision. But there were other voices too, hushed and solemn, coming from another smaller group, standing there apart from the rest. And this group comprised of four women and John there as well. They weren't there out of duty. They weren't there to deride the Saviour. They were there out of devotion. There were the four women, and only one man who was John, the Saviour's disciple. There they stood by the Saviour that day. Our Lord was comforted in the hour of his greatest need to know that a small group of his people were near the cross. They weren't there to scoff him because in their love and loyalty they wanted to be near him. You see, Mary, his mother, was one of the four women who was there at that scene outside the four walls of Jerusalem at Golgotha. And she stood close to her son. For John says in verse 25, it says, Neither stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother. Mary was there. This was the same Mary that the angel came to tell her many years before, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favour with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And after the days of Christ's infancy and childhood, and during the public ministry of Christ, we hear very little of Mary. Her life was lived in the background, her life was lived in the shadows, but now in the supreme hour, when Christ was hanging there in agony, as she sees her son's agony, she's there with him. 
And when the world had cast out the child of her womb, she stands by him there at the cross. I wonder, can you picture the scene? Can you see the mocking soldiers? Can you see the scoffing crowd? And can you see this little group that just stand by the cross and they're there out of devotion for the Saviour because they love him? Can you see the Saviour's mother? She looks upon her son. She's the dying man's mother. She's looking at her son. Those hands that she held when the child was just born. Those little feet that she taught to take her his first steps. Now there's nails driven through those hands and feet. And then there was the Saviour's side, which would be pierced later on that day. The side which Mary would have cradled close to her. And his back torn apart, looking almost like a ploughed field. His image marred more than any other. They'd beat him so badly he could hardly be recognised. The one who agonises there on the cross is her child. Isn't it beautiful to see the mother of the Lord standing there at the cross? You know there were four women at the cross and their sorrow at Calvary must have been intense. But who can estimate the comfort that their presence was to the Lord Jesus there that day? There the Saviour was and he was dying and he assures his mother that he's going to heaven. That he's going to be with the Father. Maybe you're here tonight. I know there's children here Contains here in our meeting this evening. Can I ask you, do your parents know that you're going to heaven? I wonder, can you see that the Lord Jesus, he looked after his mother? I wonder, do you obey your parents? I wonder, do you look after them the best you can? There are those listening, and you maybe have a spouse who see or family members who are saved, children who are saved. And you know if you do you know if you were to die where you would be? Mary knew that it was the will of God for her son to hang on the cross, but he was going to heaven. Let me tell you something. See, birthdays and anniversaries and Christmas, we give gifts to our loved ones to show that they mean something to us. Let me tell you, dear unsaved friend, the meeting tonight, the greatest gift that you could give your loved ones and your family is to assure them that you're on your way to heaven. That you placed your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That you're heaven born. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he was able to say to his mother as he spoke to that thing, he says, today I'll be, you'll be with me in paradise. And his mother heard that cry, he was going to heaven. And he says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He was going to be with his father and his, his family, his mother, his loved ones, his loved disciple, all hearted. He was going to heaven. And are you? And do your family know that you're going to be there? Are you going to be there? There's a story told of a mother who was dying. And all three of her children were called to her deathbed. They all had their opportunity to say goodbye. And the first came with eyes filled with tears. And the mother said to them, good night. I'll see you in the morning. And the second child came in and they were broken hearted. Their eyes were filled with tears. And she said to the second child, 
good night. I'll see you in the morning. And the third child came in, and this was the youngest son. And she said to her son, goodbye, son. And the son turned to his mother and he said, well, you didn't say that to the elders. You said, good night. And you said you would see them in the morning. Why are you saying something different to me? Why are you saying goodbye to me? And the mother replied, you're not seeing son. And I don't know if I'll see you on the other side. So I have to say goodbye to you. Maybe you have a loved one and you know they're in heaven today. And they're singing praises around the throne of heaven today. Because they're with the Lord. And they prepared in this life. I wonder will the family remain together? Or will the circle be broken? Are you going to heaven? Are you seeing? The Lord assured his mother that he was going to heaven. But secondly, I want you to see that he provided for his mother. In his dying moments, the Lord Jesus could see his mother from the cross. And he didn't need to be told her feelings. He had something to say to her. You see, as they nailed him to the cross, cross Christ, he was thinking, what will happen to my earthly mother? What will happen to her? And as they erected the old rugged cross, his concern for Mary, his mother, grew. And what had the Lord to say to her? Well, her greatest need in that moment was someone to comfort her and someone to care for her. And the Lord Jesus, he could no longer exercise that responsibility. So he gave her care over to John. And he said there in verse 26, Woman, behold thy son. I want you to notice how he addresses her. He says to her, Woman, but this is a title in those days that would have been used for honour and respect. But it's not a term that you would expect the Saviour to use for his mother. Indeed, we would go as far as saying that never once did we hear the Lord Jesus publicly refer to Mary as his mother. Why? Well, because in his all-knowing nature, his omniscience, Christ knew that the day, that a day was coming. When a large segment of Christendom would worship Mary, calling her the Queen of Heaven, the Mother of God, the Mother of the Church, would describe her as the same and on level as the Redeemer, would describe her as another mediator. And let me tell you something this evening, and let me make this abundantly clear. Mary is to be honoured, but she's not to be worshipped. We're told in the Gospel of Luke that Mary herself says she rejoiced in God her Saviour. Mary was saved by faith like any other sinner. And when Elizabeth heard the news that Mary was expecting the Son of God, she said to Mary, she, she didn't say to Mary, Blessed art thou above woman. She said to Mary, Blessed art thou unknown woman. You see, when the Lord Jesus said, Woman, behold thy son, he was not only making provision for his mother, but he was making protection for the church. Mary is lowly, not holy. And she's not to be worshipped. Mary cannot save you from hell. Only one the man in the center of on the center of the cross can do that. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Do you remember what Peter says? 
He said in Acts 4 verse 12 when he was preaching, Neither is salvation in any neither is salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Are you saved? What name are you depending on to get you to get you to heaven? Is it the name of Mary? Is it the name of Prince William of Orange? Is it the name of the Roman Catholic Church? Is it the name of Protestant? Is it Grange Baptist? Because none of these names are going to get you to heaven. None of these will make you fit for heaven. Let me tell you, don't depend on the Baptist denomination. Don't depend on any denomination. Don't depend on any of these things. They're just names. If you're trusting in the Baptist Church to get you to heaven or attending here, it's not going to work. You're mistaken. You'll die and you'll go to a lost eternity. The only name that you can trust to get you to heaven is the Lord Jesus Christ. The hymn writer says, Now none but Christ can satisfy. None other name for me. There's love and life and lasting joy where Jesus found in me. You know, there's a lesson here for the child of God tonight too. The Lord was providing for his mother. And he was dying there on that center cross as the saviour of sinners. And he was engaged in the most momentous undertaking that the world has ever witnessed. And yet in his hour, he didn't forget the practical needs of his family. His words to Mary, his mother, were not, I'm so engaged in this mighty work of completing the world's redemption that I'm unable to, to busy myself with lesser matters. No, he cared for his family. The Lord Jesus made practical arrangements that would help Mary in her immediate part and the immediate heartbreaking hours after his death. And you know, I think it's lovely because it says there in verse 27 when he turned to John and said, Behold thy mother, listen to this to the next little phrase. It says, And from that hour, that disciple took her home to his home. That disciple took her home and looked after her as if she was his own mother. My Christian, I wonder if there have been times that you've sought to to serve the Lord and you've taken all your time and you've been busy about the work of God and you've been busy in the church of God that you've neglected your own wife, you've neglected your own husband, you've neglected your own children. I wonder did you know, I wonder did you know that you can ignore the responsibilities in the home when you're serving the Lord. Oh, there's a lesson at the cross tonight for you, dear Christian. There was the Lord doing the greatest work that's ever been done, but he had time for his family. Don't think you can preach, teach, sing, get up to your neck in Christian work, and neglect your own family, get to the cross tonight, and see the scene at the cross. For in the hour that the Savior was making a way back to God from the dark house of sin, he didn't forget his family. You know, the Lord might have committed his mother solely to the care of both the Father. Could she have been in safer hands than that? But this wasn't his way. You see, the Lord uses his own people to encourage his own people. He knows that for the children of God, by love, we serve one another. And the Lord, dear Christian, desires to use you and me in his service to love one another and be compassionate towards one another. But as we draw this part of our meeting to a close this evening, I want to take a few moments 
to consider the disciple to whom the Lord gave the responsibility of caring for his mother. I want you to see the disciple that he provided. You see, in this small group of saints, who were loyal to the Saviour at Calvary, which said already there were four women, and John, the disciple whom he loved, and John, he was near the cross. Jesus, keep me near the cross. But how near John was to the cross, we don't know on that day. But we know that he was standing alongside Mary with this small group of women. And the Lord, of course, said to him, Behold thy mother. And Christ was saying to John, John, I want you to be like a son to my mother. I want you to take my place. I want you to give her safety. I want you to give her security. I want you to give her shelter. Now I want you to see this man, John, who was standing at the cross. I want you to focus on him in your mind's eye tonight. The disciple that Jesus loved. And there's a few things that you ought to remember about John. First of all, I want to tell you that originally John fled. He ran away. In Matthew 26 and verse 56, it says, Then all the disciples forsook the Saviour and fled. John was with those who ran. John fled for safety. John forsook the Lord Jesus. He retreated. He ran away. All the disciples, they forsook him and fled. And the Lord Jesus had even forewarned them that this would happen because it says that the Lord Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 26, 31 in the upper room, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. They would be ashamed of the Saviour's company. And you know, when the Lord Jesus was arrested, they felt it was no longer safe to remain with him, so they just forsook him and ran, and John was among them. Do you know what I call that? I call that a backslider. They ask, what's a backslider? A backslider is a person who gets saved and then afterwards drifts away from the Lord and sometimes even drifts into open sin. A backslider is a person who knows the Lord that because of lack of time spent in the Word of God and the worship of God, their fellowship with the Lord grows cold. I wonder, am I speaking to a backslider tonight? Once you were concerned about sowing seed, once you were concerned about winning souls, but hell doesn't seem as hot as it once was. But I don't want you just to see that John was the disciple that fled, but I want you to see that John returned. He returned. You see? I mean, there he was. Standing at the cross of Calvary, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John came back to the cross. I wonder, is that where you need to come this evening, dear backslider? Maybe you've strayed. Maybe you've disobeyed. Maybe you've been away for a long time. Maybe you've lost your zeal and holiness. Come back to the Savior. Come back to the Lord Jesus. John came back and noticed that Christ, he didn't rebuke him. He didn't scold him for what he'd done. He didn't preach a message to him. Here's what the Savior did. The Savior gave John a responsibility. Christ gave this backslider a responsibility, and that responsibility was to take care of his mother. Isn't that just, isn't that just like the Lord? I mean, to give responsibility to his disciple, that it returned to him. Let me tell you something. If you've been away for a long time tonight, I want to tell you this. Jesus Christ receives backsliders. And he restores backsliders. And he reuses backsliders. 
says to John, you're going to take my place. You're going to look after my mother. Do you know something? All of us who are Christians are taking his place. Do you recall what the Lord Jesus Christ said after his resurrection? He says, as my father has sent me, even so I send you. The Son represented the Father, and we are to represent the Son. But tell me this, what does the cross mean to you? This evening, as we stand under the shadow of Calvary, I wonder, do you realize that he took your place? And he sealed your pardon, and he died your death, and he bore your sin, and he met your judgment, and in this... We can see and we can look as he says to, as says there to woman, behold the son, and then we can look upon him and we can think about as we gaze back at him. We can look and say, behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world, because there he was on the cross, dying for your sin, taking your place. What does the cross mean to you? Because your answer to that question is of vital importance when it comes to eternity. You know, during the American Civil War, a group of bandits had been caught. And in due course, they were to be shot. Just as the barn spoke was about to shoot, a man came running in. He shouted, I'm equally guilty, but I am single. And this man, he has a wife and kids, and I want to take his place. The substitution took place, and the shots rang out. And some years later, a man came into the graveyard in Missouri. And he just placed a wee wooden slab on the grave of the man that took his place and just said, he died for me. Later, the wee man who had put the wooden plaque down, he became rich. And he erected a memorial and put, it, put this on the inscription. It said, sacred to the memory of Willie Lee, he took my place in the land and died for me. I want to tell you something, dear own see it then tonight. Christ took your place. And he died for you. And he took your place and bore your punishment so you don't have to face the Christless death. Christ died for you. He lives for you. And by his spirit, he is present here tonight. And let me tell you, Jesus is passing this way. You see? But what will you do with that? Will you just walk out the back door in a few more minutes and forget the Spirit of God working in your heart? Will you just ignore it another time and go out into another week, risking risking it all, not knowing whether you are guaranteed tomorrow or not? Will you just walk out again and forget all about it? Or will you trust Him as your seed? wonder will you look to him in faith just now? Listen, I say this nearly every week. Don't leave another day. Don't leave another minute. But come and trust this what you're not. You'll see it. Maybe you have questions you want to ask. Maybe you need to talk with someone. Why not talk with someone you came along with that you don't see? Feeling that, why not talk with me? I'll stick with you. But if the Spirit of God is working in your heart, don't harden your heart. I plead with you.
the Spirit of God is working with you tonight. By the name. Place your trust in the Savior of Calvary. Then you can assure your family that you're heaven bound. What a great present that would be tonight.